Welcome to the Three Thirds Mike One Third Scouts podcast. Uh, it is episode number twenty-five. We are a quarter of a century old uh, on this show, and it is our Christmas special. So I'm joined by my fellow podcasters, as always, Mr. Ross Smith and Mr. Simon Man. How are we both? And they Hello. said we'd never last. <laughs> oh, we tied this in quite well. <laughs> yeah, that is incredible. Oh, I mean, I. Did yeah, Merry, my... Merry Christmas, everybody. Merry Christmas. I mean, this is, this is essentially doing this podcast is what Christmas is going to be like now, isn't it? Everything's remote. You don't get to see anyone you like. It's all a bit, uh, it's all a bit nervous, and, uh, isn't it? Midway through the podcast, uh, Boris Johnson's going to change the rules about podcasting, I think. <laughs> Probably. <Yeah. laughs> I mean, the, the, next, the next thing, tier five, is there'll just be no airwaves. There'll be no telly, <laughs> no, no radio, no nothing. You just have to, just have to stay in your house. <laughs> so, yeah. uh, so, Xmas for everyone. How, how has, has, has people's Xmas plans been hit hard or have it been... Well, we, it's, um, me and Belinda had sort of decided beforehand that the whole thing felt a bit risky. And, uh, and and ever since the vaccine came out, I think we've a bit we've sort of our opinions kind of been like, oh, if we can just get through this bit, so we've sort of almost just written off this Christmas. So we we, we weren't going to see anyone. But I mean, what I'd like to talk about is I've had a I've had a roller coaster of a of a few hours ahead of recording this. A few hours. Yeah, the last few hours have been an emotional roller coaster for me. Oh, wow. Okay. I was sat here. I was watching. Um, oh, by the way, Ross, how good the last two episodes of Only Connect been? I haven't seen them. Oh, they are two two of the best for a long t- for a while. I would say real real what? top quality episodes. Is that because you got more answers than usual? Or yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but either of you watched that industry show? <clears throat> no. Zombie. No. Anyway, I, I've been watching it. So I watched the. Fi- I was watching the final episode of that last five minutes, and it almost happened in slow motion. My Christmas tree fell over. <laughs> what type of stand have you got in? The tree well, stand. It was on. Fall over. It was on top of a, a cardboard box because Blinda wanted it sort of elevated. This this sounds precarious. It sounds like your shelves already. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I was happy with it on the floor. I didn't think elevating was a good idea at any stage. So the the box had signed, and the, the weight of the tree had kind of become too much for the box. Um, and so a bit of it caved in, and then it just toppled over, almost in slow motion in front of me, that baubles everywhere. What box did you use? Just a big car. It was the, it was the cardboard box that my punch bag came in. Wow. <laughs> you know what you should have done? What? You should have collected uh, all the Pringles cans that you've had throughout the year. <laughs> now they are sturdy. <laughs> kept it on top of that. That would have been, and the round as well. So you could have made a round shape to keep it. Would have been. Yeah, the only the only trouble is I'm not eating crisps all year, so I've got I've got no Pringle boxes. Yeah, but they're crisps all year. Have we been through this? No, before? we have. We, we went through this. Yeah. We've yeah, won. I must have talked about this before. At some point during our Chris World Cup, I must have mentioned this, yeah. Yeah, but up, yeah I, I still have yeah. yeah. well, so only, only a week just, away. Maybe I just thought it was one of those things that you say at the time and you've only done it for a week. 
but you really <laughs> kind of cave in. <laughs> we did that. We did that in the summer. It's been a long, hard six months. Really, it has. Has. A lot. A lot has happened. We can say. Yeah, the thing with twenty-five episodes. <laughs> I'm not going to go back through the twenty-five to double-check that I didn't say, but I'm confident. I'm confident more brought it up. No, because I think we got to like the final of the crisp world cup, and you said I've not eaten a crisp all year. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Well, yeah. So then, so anything else happened? So well, had- then, then I get a message then from uh, from Cheesy asking me what my address is, and then straight away, me and Blinder have a moment where we realise that we haven't sent you guys Christmas cards, and think, oh, it's going to be awkward. <laughs> it clearly means he's about to send me a Christmas. Card. <laughs> but no, half an hour later, I get a message saying there's a present outside that is now now st- sat next to me. Yeah. Well, similarly, five minutes before the expected start time of the podcast at nine o'clock, I got a message off Cheesy saying, knock, knock. I can't remember what it said exactly, but it's something I, outside. I just, it, was, it, was, it was the same message. I just copied and pasted it. it don't <laughs> open till the show, which confused me immensely because I started looking out my window and there was no one there. And then I went to the door thinking, is something just going to happen now? There's going to be nothing there. And then there was a, a, a parcel waiting, a bag, a nice Christmas bag waiting. So very is, exciting. What, what do you think it could be, Ross? Well, I t- well I picked it up, and uh, <laughs> I thought it's not beer because it's not heavy. And then I shook it in front of Claire. Claire said it's not beer, and, thought, and then you know the next words out of my mouth. It better not be some Liverpool shit. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, I think I think Cheesy's a nice guy. I think he's got us what we all really want. And so I'm expecting it to be a vaccine. Ah. Well, I've got some sort of... We're workers, aren't we? Otherwise, I was thinking maybe he's bought us all tickets to go to Lightopia together. You had such a good time, Ron. (laughs) Yeah. I highly recommend. (laughs) It'll show us all those secret bits. (laughs) The secret handshakes. So, I mean, I I do feel slightly guilty because I feel like you've gone to a lot of trouble now, Cheesy. I mean... Well, well the, the crap relations. <laughs> <laughs> no, because I was, I've been, I've, well, I've, I've been thinking about this for ages, and it just so happened that when we were off in November, um, so I can't remember what I was doing. I was, I was, I was looking at something on the on the internet, and this popped up. What, what I wanted pops up, and I was like, I, I had a look at it. I started messing around with it, and I was like, oh, and I said, gosh, it just, I just look like, all right. Does I look all right? And she was like, "Yeah, it's fine." And I left it on my um, my my windows on my uh, phone for about probably about a week. And then I was like, "Shall I?" Shall I? I, I can't remember what it was. I just went and I just I just bought it. I bought, I also um, I bought one for myself. Oh, oh, it could, it could so, be anything, wouldn't it? So, so what you have, what what you have is, is exactly the same. That was all tomorrow. I mean, I, my next thing was maybe it's a T-shirt with your face in it, cheesy, which I think is quite sick of. Oh, I hope it is. <laughs> I mean, I mean, I mean that, that's next year's present. Sorry. <laughs> well, well, at what point? At what point of the podcast do we open the present? Um, well, it's up to oh, you. When, when we can't wait much longer, can we? I've, I'm so excited. So, do we do it now? You can do it now if you want to. Yeah. Oh. Have you got it? Are you doing it, Simon? Um, um yeah. I'll... I mean, it sellotapes well. Oh, it is strongly sellotaped. <laughs> Tell you won't be able to return this to TK Maxx, will you? Oh, oh, there you go. 
Right. Oh, it's oh. black. It's cotton. Oh, oh. that. We're going to be very on brand, aren't we? <laughs> Describe it to the listener, Ross. So, it's a black cotton T-shirt. Uh, it says super premium on the label, so it's top quality. And it is our Twitter uh, banner that says three-thirds mank, one-third scouse on a T-shirt. It is we a are, very, 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 very lovely. We're the coolest kids in town, aren't we? I mean, we just have to make sure we don't all wear it on the same day. Oh, I think we should we do. definitely have to do. Yeah. As soon as it sounds over, the first trip to Presswich is going to be... <laughs> <laughs> 100% oh I love it thank you very much I will yeah yeah good thinking well we need to wear it on a day when um when we're going to be on telly or something to try and get the, this is what we can wear we can try and get the show out there a bit more well that's that was what the idea was got we'd mentioned it on the show and I, and it something there was uh, some sort of t-shirt making thing popped up and I was like I thought I'll I'll give it a go, and I, I nearly messaged I nearly messaged the group Ross for the original artwork that you did because it's on it's not not the great it's not the greatest writing at the bottom, but I'd managed to just get it off the tw- I'd managed to just get it off Twitter, managed to just managed to sort it out and get it off there. So I was quite happy with it when it came. It arrived on Saturday after I so it arrived on Saturday. So after getting the bad news that the world was half the world was being locked down again. Um, I came on to a, a parcel and opened it, and I was like, "Oh, I we'll love that!" But from the from I mean, the UK, or did, did did Emmanuel Macron nearly stop this from arriving? Yeah, well, <laughs> just, just to inform you, I couldn't wait any longer, and I've stuck it on. <laughs> oh well, yeah, great thinking. I mean, it didn't feel right to have it sat there while we we're actually recording. You know what? It might be my, record, my recording T-shirt. So, was there a bit of that uh, recording then when you were topless, Ross? Oh yeah. I thought it sounded good. <laughs> oh, it, didn't yeah. look, it didn't look good. I feel like a new man. Oh, I hope you've got yours on now, Cheesy. Well, I've got a jumper on, I've got headphones on, so I can't, I can't I have to take my headphones out. Oh, did I? But you didn't notice. I mean, we can film <laughs> for two minutes. There we go. He's doing it. I mean, I am. I'm very pleased with this. I mean, it's thing is like it's been the year, the year of customising for me. My customised, uh, my customised, a captain's armband. Now I've got a customised t-shirt. Oh, I'm very pleased. Well, well, I hope at some point we can get a picture of the three of us together in our t-shirts. That's that's the first the thing I want to do after lockdown. After the vaccine, we'll meet outside the Sunday Centre. Have we all got? <laughs> have we all got the same colour? Yeah, no, I kept, I, I kept the same colour, yeah. Kept yeah. it simple. There's a lovely oh, bit at the top go. of the logo that says out every Monday. We were optimistic. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Fun, funnily enough, I took the picture and I sent it off and I got it printed and I never actually read again what was on what the what the words were that were on the actual uh, I just I just trusted Ross hundred percent and sent it. I mean it yeah, that was when we were we were young and <laughs> full of ambition and enthusiasm. Twenty-five episodes ago. Yeah. Well, well thank you. What what starts the show that is. I think, I mean, you, I now, I think now, you've saved Christmas. You, you have, yeah. Potentially, yeah. And um and we've also got our first line of merchandise. So if I mean if anybody wants <laughs> yeah. to 
I'm what, sure that- <laughs> these are the ones we have to sell. Oh, we could sell podcast worn t shirts. Yeah, podcast worn, signed. Well, when you were ordering <laughs> them, did, did, did you say, We'll have three to start with, but I'm sure demand will grow. <laughs> yeah. But keep over 300,000 just in stock. Just, just keep that picture very close in case you know, we get an, we're getting influx of uh, another 100. Have you got any like connections, uh, Cheesy, with like, a major high street retailer? Oh, yeah, I've got that direct to... Uh, I've done, no, I'll just get them straight from China. Yeah, caught out, them, caught out the middleman. I'm saying for selling them. I think we can maybe. Do you think TK TK Maxx will buy a hundred thousand? Oh, I mean, surely they must. Have, I must be able to pull a few strings. Yeah, they'll be flying off the shelves then. I mean, I mean if not, we can all, we can always hire a car and walk them down Market Street. Surely that <laughs> is. Uh... Now this has happened. You've got me think. We well, we spoke a lot about Fanta's different flavors. Maybe not on the podcast, but in in the previous radio shows, haven't we? So obviously, I'm thinking fizzy drinks. It's obviously yes. the next move. There's and a big the, market in fizzy drinks. And then crisps is huge as well. I mean, if we just... Because, I mean, I know Dorito have come out with their... What's their stacks thing? Oh, yeah. In that tin. But I think that's a bit too much for a packet of crisps. I feel if we can find the middle ground between the Dorito stacks tin and the Bauer Pringle can design, I think slap three-thirds mank, one-third scouts all over it, and you, we're on for millionaires then. We're done. Well, I mean, the the top end, obviously, the, our high-end merchandise will obviously revolve around beer pumps, our three faces on the side of the beer <laughs> pump. <laughs> that, that, has to be, uh, that has to be one of the items that we sell on three-thirds mank dot shop, or whatever it is that we're going to call it. <laughs> gotcha. <laughs> and... Uh, and Funnily enough, the, the other thing that made me think about doing this was um, about six weeks ago, um, I'd started listening to, uh, I was listening to Chris Moyles in the morning, and Chris Moyles is selling candles. You can buy a Chris Moyles show candle. I hope they're not like Gwyneth Paltrow's ones. So I, like, they'd, they'd started selling, fa- I think it had all started with them, they were selling face masks, so they were selling like Chris Moyles show face masks, and then um, they were, they'd done some like charity socks things. And then, like, just before Christmas, they started selling candles, and I was like, I don't, it didn't really make any sense, but I was like, if he can do it, then, I mean, we could sell anything. <laughs> if Chris Miles can do it, the man who's been through, you know, radio shows for 20 years of his life. Do you think that's the sort I mean, of inspiration that Chris Miles hopes to give out to people, that people watch him and think, God, anyone can do that, can't they? <laughs> <laughs> With pencil cases with our faces on in a few years, so I'm just you wait. Yeah, well, I feel very, I feel very, very, very festive. I feel touched. Yeah. That, well, it's interesting you mentioned the Fanta drops because I, I, I think I would have bought you two a bottle of blue Fanta for Christmas. Yes. And now, and now, <laughs> Cheesy's bought the gifts this year. <laughs> I can't wait till next year. Don't know about you, Cheesy, but I bet you're you're counting down already, aren't you? Oh, looking looking forward to what it. What could he you get? The three thirds Mike, one third Scouse board game. <laughs> <laughs> Will there be any technical difficulties in the show? Who knows? Turn over the card to find out. <laughs> you will you get to download the anchor app. <laughs> <laughs> will the app run out of time and cut you off early? Who knows? Yeah. <laughs> It's a chance card. Cheddar starts talking. Hey. 
You can't wait now, can you? Oh, there we go. I've got some more merchandise. I'm writing all this down, by the way. I mean, what would if I was really committed? I have got a year that I could actually design that and probably get it made. But you know what? I'm probably not going to put that. Much. <laughs> and the other thing I know hey. about you, not only have you got a year off, but and I happen to know this from first-hand experience, you don't do that much at work. <laughs> but you are a man with a lot of spare time. And well, it's just I make it look that way. <laughs> I do the same as what Chris Miles does. I make it look aspirational. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, there we go. I mean, I don't know. I don't think anyone cares about my week now. Uh, I, I, hey, I still want to hear about it, Ross. Uh, you know, we I, all want to hear it. What have I done? Well, I finished school on Friday. That was a triumphant moment. Oh, oh I, I, can I just interrupt you very quickly? Yeah. I, I had a phone call with uh, with my brother on Thursday. You'll be pleased to know Christopher Mann already watched the Northridge Christmas Panto on YouTube twice. Yes, <laughs> I heard. Oh, I didn't realise it was on YouTube. Oh, yes, it is. Tucked away somewhere. Oh, no, it isn't. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yes. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so, we, so that that happened, and then actually yesterday I had a friendly match, uh, eleven aside friendly. So no football in five six weeks. Eleven aside, uh, we arranged a friendly with a team in the division below us. Uh, Fifteen minutes in, maybe twenty minutes, uh, own goal from Captain Ross Smith. I thought, yes, it's good to be back, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> you like your young, aren't you? <laughs> and then uh, and then we quickly conceded another two so we went 3-0 down at half time uh, I picked up a booking yeah and then got a bit tired so I came off it was we ended up getting beat 5-2 it wasn't the greatest day that we've ever had to be honest but it's good fun to be out again I mean I went to the Trafford Centre today actually has anyone been to the Trafford Centre recently? no someone I've worked uh, with I worked um I worked an early, yes, yeah. Sun, I worked an early on Sunday, and uh, the the person I was working with after work was going straight to the Trafford Centre with the weekend, the Sunday before Christmas. I was like, "Good luck." Yeah, well, I mean, the Trafford Centre was fine on the majority, and most shops seem to have it managed. What do you think the worst shop for not really having any kind of coronavirus? things in place was um, Debenhams not Debenhams big shop uh, it, well it's well, it's really well known and everyone always goes there at Christmas it's like one of the essential ones that everyone no matter what everyone will go to this type of shop uh, what could it be it's Clinton cards wow oh, all right Goodness. I mean, Clinton cards, not during coronavirus, was congested and squashed. I mean, you feel even more <laughs> conscious of the fact that <laughs> during a global pandemic. Uh, 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 they've done nothing. They, everything's still crammed <laughs> into the aisles. <laughs> There's no distancing going on. Oh, it's horrendous. And the thing is, you do pick up a card before, because the, the way they're sort of folded, you can't really see the cards when they're on this plate. So you do have to touch them all, don't you? I mean, it's never focused my mind to just pick up the first one and just go with it. <laughs> so, no, 
God knows what Claire's got this year. <laughs> so you're giving but Claire one that says best sister of the year. Well, yeah. <laughs> it was in the wife section. Whether it says wife or I don't know. That's all I know. But yeah, it's a rent. I thought Clinton's would have to go like old sports direct where they'd have to put like t-shirts on the ceiling so you could when you walked in you'd have to ask somebody to pick a card up on a big or a big or a big metal stick. <laughs> I wouldn't mind if they spread them out a bit more. Like obviously they knew everyone's coming in for Christmas cards this time of year. They didn't they just <laughs> packed all cards into one space of the shop, basically, where everyone was. And everyone's kind of looking, going, Oh, I haven't got time to be social distancing here. And they're looking at you going, Are you going? Are you not going? Oh, it was horrendous. I just abandoned Claire midway through. I just, she left her in there. I thought, it's every man for himself now in Clinton's. <laughs> <laughs> See, if there is a spike in COVID after Christmas. See, a lot of people will put it down to people travelling back from London, but you, you think it might be Clinton's Cars Traffic Centre? I think, yeah. Well, I mean, if that's if that's typical of what's going on in Clinton Cars up and down the country, they are the super spreaders of coronavirus. Forget, <laughs> forget Wuhan. I think, I think Clinton Cars could be... <laughs> Are you saying that'll be the that'll be the fifth question on the uh, on the vaccine questionnaire? Have you, have you been, <laughs> been, been to Clinton Cards? Suddenly you bumped up from thirty eight million to like two hundred fifty thousand. That's tier, tier five. Tier five. You're not allowed. To, you have to quarantine for three months if you've been to Clinton Cards. Yeah, wow. that's what I'm worried about. As a, as a side note, you mentioned Sports Direct. I think a definite area for merchandise. For some of those, we did some of those. Sports Direct size mugs, but with the three thirds man logo on the side. Get that. Oh, on the, the, oh the, yeah, the, the big ones. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How that is. I mean, I remember my dad, my when my dad first started his business. Um, one of the few things to like keep getting his name out there was every year he used to send to a lot of his regular customers calendars. So my dad being my dad, who is slightly pervy, um, <laughs> he <laughs> he often sent um, page three topless models out. Now, I don't know if we could do a similar thing where it's pictures of us. Well, I mean, you're already teasing the listeners by doing some of the broadcasting topless, aren't you? <laughs> well, yeah, exactly. So if you're still, exactly. still listening at, at this point, then you're into it, aren't you? Yeah. So, I mean, that's another, I, I, I mean, I feel like we need to sit down away from the podcast and just brainstorm merchandise one night. Yeah. <laughs> and then we can slowly leak it like the government do with their ideas over time to the press over, and then build, bring, bring it out. I feel like we're just going to give all our ideas out now. And then there'll be nothing later. Yeah, good thinking. And then we'll, we'll, have, some... we'll have, a, pro, we'll have a, um, a press conference, five o'clock, BBC One. When we finally, I'll, I'll prepare the uh, the PowerPoint presentation so you can say next slide, please. <laughs> that five that five o'clock press conference that'll go out at nine o'clock at night. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Every Monday. <laughs> yeah. But but if it's a Monday where we haven't really got much to announce, we'll just get all of the data. Yeah. And do it. Yeah. A lot Sharma will be up for uh, some of the quieter weeks. Oh, Claire will be around as well. She'll <laughs> she can do it. Right, what are how's we talking it, about, Cheetah? Yeah, how's oh, your go on. Oh yeah, we got we've so we've been so um, swept up by the gifts you bought us. I've not even asked you. I mean, typical uh, selfish nature of me and you, Simon. We've not given any <laughs> gifts, so then all we've done is spoke about ourselves. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
terrible thing. Um, well, funnily, I, I was only off on, I think I was off Friday, and I spent most of Friday buying presents for um, the people who I work with in the shop. So we, uh, the business gave us some money to kind of give everybody a big kind of festive treat, and a few different shops decided to do like different things with it. Some did a quiz. Some did like giveaways, some did like funny things in the shop. So we bought everybody like a small gift bag and put candy canes in there, mince pies. Uh, I mean, first time I've ever bought a mince pie. Yeah. I'd, have you eaten any of the things that are in the gift bag? <laughs> uh, well, I'm waiting. I, I um, bought enough. I bought slightly more than what we needed. A, in case I did get a little bit peckish in the office because all this stuff is currently just laid out in the office. And um, I thought something might go wrong with something. We might, I don't know, somebody might eat one and not know what they are. Um, so I've bought slightly more than what I need. So if um, when I've given everything out by the time we get to Christmas Eve, then I can, I'm, I may enjoy a mince pie on the way home. Um, <laughs> there we go. But, that is. So I also may not as well. And then th- this week saw the end of my uh, the the store fund cup in in my uh, fantasy football. So the last. Games are going on at the the minute. So the Chelsea game is uh, is the last game of of the of the tournament, and uh, the two finalists are uh, were neck were neck and neck. Oh, do, do any of them have Tammy Abraham in the team? No, has he scored? Yeah, twice. Oh, has he? Three mm. nil Chelsea. Uh, so if you pick I mean, any West Ham players, yeah, it's a bold call to have triple captained uh, Tammy Abraham. <laughs> Well, funnily enough, it wasn't it wasn't uh, Tammy Abraham that uh, one of the, one of the um, team's triple captain. It was Harry Kane. So um, the um, one of the one of the, the first team is, is a guy who works in Manchester. His team is he does he does really well every year. Every year he has like the, the, the like manages to get the best players. He manages to use his budget really well, um, and he captain Fernandez. Um, and um, she had triple captain uh, Kane. So um, I think did did United play before Tottenham or did Tottenham play first? Tottenham played first, didn't they? Yeah, Tottenham um, played first before. Uh, her, her, her vice captain was uh, Mo Salah. So if she would have triple captain Mo Salah instead of Harry Kane, then she may have she may have ended up. And walking out with a prize, but um, because you triple captain Kane, he got ended, ended up getting six points, whereas the other guy got thirty points with Fernandez. So it also ruined my rank in fantasy football this week, Fernandez. So I wasn't particularly happy about that. But a rule's a rule. I will not pick United players. That is a rule. <laughs> Seems stupid when you've got one as good as Bruno Fernandez and Donny Van der Beek. Yeah, Donny Van der Beek. I mean, yeah. Him every week, wouldn't you? I mean. I mean, I've got some. I've got some room on my bench for Donny. Don't you worry about that. <laughs> More room than Thiago, I imagine. When he um, when he gets his his transfer to uh, to Fulham in a few years' time, then I'll, uh, I'll 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 he'll definitely be in my team. So yeah, other than that, I was shopping for, and then Grayson finished school at two o'clock on Friday, and I went to pick him up on Friday, and the caretaker was dressed as the Grinch, stood on the school roof, chucking sweets at everybody. So, I have an issue with the Grinch. Is the Grinch actually Christmas here, or is he quite anti-Christmas? Like, if you saw the Grinch, would you think there's someone getting in the festive spirit? Or would you think there's is someone... He anti- I think he's anti-people, isn't he? Well, he's not very mm. happy. No, he's anti-happiness. 
He hasn't got Christmas enough room in his heart, has he, for all the love? Yeah, Christmas time brings back some bad memories. I think that's what it is. But do you associate the Grinch with being Christmassy or anti-Christmassy? Um, well, anti-Christmassy. There you go. So where did you um, do your shopping this year, uh, Cheddar? Because I, I remember last year, the Captain of the High Street, you bought it all online. So um, it's been a bit of a mix. I've done I've done some of it online, some of it I've got in the shop, um, some of it I've got in the shop. I've done I've I've, I've, it's, I've it's been a real struggle this year for the kids and for Ashley. And I've just said I just said to Ashley, what, what do what do you want? I was like I was like my my brain is not what it was. You've got Romance a migraine got a from trying to sort out that fantasy football team. Uh, yeah, sounds like a magical um, nightmare. What? What what do you want me to buy? So she she given me a list of, of of some bits and pieces, and I've ticked all that stuff off. I've got a couple of bits yet. I've got a couple of bits yet still to wrap, but it's all it's all in the house. None of it's on its way from France. I don't need to worry about um, getting an email to say it's not going to arrive. It is all in the house, um, so it just needs wrapping um, and, and and sorting out. But yeah, I did a bit of a mixture of both this year, which I was which I was quite happy with. And of course, in January, uh, so many football clubs will be buying stuff in the January sales, like strikers. Really? Well, I just thought I'm trying to segue us back onto football. Oh, right, right. right. (laughs) I thought thought you meant a specific player. No, no. I I entered into the sentence without really knowing where I was going to go with it, thinking, but I would accept it wasn't very good. Yeah, it was was not one of my smoother links. Well, I'm, I mean, I'm not. I'm not going to lie to you. My my uh, biggest worry is uh, that we've been linked with uh, Renato Sanchez, as I had sent you uh, the link earlier on today, and it's it's not the first time that's happened in the last couple of days, because it looks like Van Alden it will leave. He won't sign his. Um, he won't sign a contract. He wants, his, I think he wants double his money. I'm not sure that seems to be there. I'll tell you the what consensus. it is, Cheese. I've I've read, I've read it recently. He just doesn't want to be compared to Donny van der Beek week in, week out, because he knows he'll look at <laughs> the area. So he's, he's hoping to get out of the Is Premier League to go to... I mean, he must, he must actually be quite good at football. Is he not yeah. doing quite well again now? Renato Sanchez? Yeah. Well, there are, Lille are, to- are Lille not top? Yeah, so, you know, it almost did cut it. It was just one bad year in... Well, where in did he go? Swansea? Yeah. I, oh, mean, I thought it was Fulham. It was Swansea, wasn't it? Swansea, yeah. I think most of his passes went to Craven Cottage, but no, he was at Swansea, yeah. But <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> <laughs> Right, come on, what, what well, are we talking what about? I was, tell you what, just on the, on the Renato <laughs> Sanchez loop, tell you what I noted, I think um, one of the commentators mentioned it, but just how normal it is and just sort of a non-event now to see Curtis Jones in the Liverpool starting lineup. You, just, you know, you don't you don't even sort of reference it now. You're just a bit like, oh yeah, of course he'd be starting in midfield. Like he's really sort of emerged as just almost really, like a regular player. Lots of times I've been tempted in the last few weeks to 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 text the group and say Curtis Jones was a good player. But every time I started doing this, they're thinking, oh, if we're gonna do it, and I've meant messages like, oh if we win this game then we'll be third, or we're in this game, then we'll be this place. Jesus instantly cutting down and gone, if you lose, <laughs> then you still where you're So I've always just thought, no, Sadio, I'm not going to say anything about 
I mean, I, I was very confident on on Sunday. I'm not going to lie to you. When you when you, when you two were getting were getting very hyped about the Leeds game, I was like, we won seven nil yesterday. I was like, I, I'm, on top of, I'm on top of the world. I was like, I, I remember watching that game, thinking I, I, it was funnily enough the complete opposite of the Villa game. When I watched the Villa game, um, and I was thinking, this 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 I feel like on the offside is that what what they've scored again and I was like and it was just oh we were just clinical we were just really good and I don't even think we'd play particularly well I just think we, we were well we did play well but not the best I've ever seen us play in terms of team prowess we were just clinical and we put all our chances away that was the that was the that was the most important thing for us but just going back to the Curtis Jones thing I think from he just scored the winner in the Derby in the FA Cup last year, and that seemed to be giving quite a lot of confidence. And then I think it was the Arsenal game in the Carabao Cup where we got through. I think he captained the team that day. Um, and then this season, I mean, the injuries have, have kind of have opened the door for quite a lot of them. So uh, Nico Williams, Reese Williams, uh, Nat Phillips, uh, and Curtis Jones has kind of found himself in this in this midfield role. Um, and he's, I mean, a lot of. Yeah, he's English. Yeah, a lot of um, a lot of a lot of Liverpool fans would probably see him in the team of a character at the minute. Just as that, um, as that quite cockiness about his games, quite good on the ball. You've always seen snippets at the end of the game. There was a like a, a ten-second segment against Spurs where he kind of took the ball, did a couple of skills, got past everybody, then got rid of the ball. Quite simple, got it back again, and then started to move off and. He got his goal against Ajax in the Champions League, so he's chipping in with goals. He's he doesn't look out of place. Whereas I think maybe, probably about eighteen months ago, when he first um, in the in the game um, in the derby in the in the FA Cup, he, he he probably didn't. He probably not grown up quite as much, and he's probably not got that um, match experience behind him. But I mean, he's a confident lad, and he, he trusts he trusts himself and his ability. And you think anybody playing for any nineteen year old. Um, Lad playing for Klopp as well. He's going to be on it. He'll be telling him exactly what he needs to know, and his confidence will be sky high. Mm-hmm. So, but yeah, I mean, he's doing the Mason Mount's a regular in the England squad. You think if you know Jones can't be far away? I think he's. I think the big thing. I think the, the most impressive thing, and this goes this is, is for a lot of the Liverpool youngsters that are coming this year, is if he would have been in a team last year that would have had. Van Dijk and Gomez behind him, and he would have. We would have been playing really well, and we we would have been in that situation. It would have been much easier for him to integrate in because he would have been like the only extra one. Whereas at the minute we're playing, we've played games without a recognised centre back. I mean, we played the other day. Jordan Henson played at centre back, and he was still in the team. So, I mean, it's much like the Sterling thing. He's going to go through really um, good. He's going to go through really good patches. He's, he's done a tail up and go through bad, and, and he's going to have bad games as well. Um, but yeah, he's um, and eventually he's going to be definitely... Manchester City. Well, <laughs> I hope not. I hope not indeed. But yeah, there was a. And I, I think the bit that would have hacked up a bit more. There was a chance in the Fulham game with about five minutes to go where he picked the ball up um, just uh, in the middle of our half, and he just slalomed past about six people, got to the edge, got to the, into the area, and had a chance to score. And he just kind of fluffed his shot at the end, and it, it was almost like a, a pass back to the keeper. But if that would have gone in, it would have just been echoes of. Gerard flying around and just picking the ball up and running the length of the pitch, going past a few people and then just smashing it into the bottom corner to rescue a, a very you, what was a very cool game that day. The thing, I mean, obviously, I, like I've, I've not watched him probably as much as you, but the thing that impressed me the most is there seems to be a point to everything that like he does. Like, you see, like 
there seems to be like something comes from things that he does as opposed to you get lots of players coming in who pass it sideways. And I know it's kind of Liverpool's DNA to get it forward as quickly as possible. And that's probably the way he's been coached. But there are players that come in and still don't do it. Whereas he comes to have been in, like you say, he's either getting it and driving forward with the ball or he's getting it and passing it forward. And then he's, he's not stopping and standing still. He's then advancing himself and getting getting forward. So it seems... He seems he seems dynamic and full of full of ingenuity and creativity in that way. And it seems to work out as well. Which, like I say, a lot you get some young players who come in and just think, "Oh, needs to be safe here. Needs to just keep my pass success rate ticking over, and I'll play the short pass that's easy and let someone else do it." But he seems to want to take a bit of responsibility and do things for himself. So yeah, he does look exciting. Yes, I mean he's he's definitely one of the the shining lights to come out of the the first half of the season, definitely. So, and you think he's he's start, I mean the he's, the fact that he started the game against um, Tottenham. I mean, I mean, I don't think there was many other. I don't think there was anybody else on the bench really that could have played. But um, I think he there was like he he started him in he started him at Ajax as well. And I think um, there was other there was other midfielders on the bench for that game that he could have started, but he he picked Jones and. Um, yeah, he's played. He has played. He has played fantastically well. So, I mean, long, long may, long may continue. And, and the same with Reese Williams as well. I think he's done. There's a there's a couple of instances where he's he's made mistakes that led to goals. I think one of the goals that we conceded at Atlanta, he, um, at Anfield when we got beat, he he was at fault for that. He was just positioning. But I mean, he was playing. He was playing in Kidderminster last year, and um, he's like found himself playing five or six games at the back for Liverpool in the in the Premier League and the. In the Champions League, so we've done. I mean, they've done fantastically well. So the fact that we've we've got some injuries and we're top of the league is happy days. I mean, all we need now is for the league to be postponed for a couple of months, and we'll get a jot of Van Dijk and Thiago back, and we'll we'll start. We'll, we'll go again for the last two thirds of the season. Yeah, best stop now while you're out of form. <laughs> yeah. Uh... Shall we talk about before we get on to United? Do you want to talk about United or do you want to talk about to new managers or deluded managers? What should we do next? Or do you want to save? We'll save United for last. Okay. So, big news. So the then. Of, Go on. The return of Big Sam. Yeah. Big news for a big man. So, Billich sacked, Big Sam in. Uh, Seems strange timing, Simon, considering that, that Billich's last game was a very hard earn. His players dogged and determined to get a point away at Manchester City. <laughs> but then Billich is then sacked and Big Sam's brought in. I think it's a good decision. I think they've done the right thing. I think Big Sam, over the course of a season, is your best chance of staying up. You know, it is harsh on Billich to get sacked. You know, the week before Christmas after getting a draw at Manchester City. But I'm sure he'll get a very, you know, well-paid uh, payoff. And, it, you know, it happens, every, it sort of feels like it happens most seasons at around this time, one club in around the area of the table, press the big sand button. And sometimes it takes him a few weeks, sometimes a month or so to, to get things going. But he nearly always, well, he always keeps them up, doesn't he? So I, I think it's a, it's a good decision. Um, obviously, the standard of the football won't be very good, but I think he'll, he'll sort of get them well organised and, and doing what Big Sam teams always do. Now, what, what did you think, Cheesy? 
Yeah, I thought, like you said, I, th- I thought it was a bit harsh on on Billich. I mean, a lot of a lot of teams have have kind of um, I, 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 some. There was a couple of West um, Brom fans who, who uh, I've listened to on uh, on the radio had talked about just giving him a chance, and they'd rather play some decent football, stick with Billich, try and build something, even if that meant going down again this year, but potentially coming straight back up again. Um, but it's, it's, I mean, it's, the owners will just want to stay with with everything that's going on at the minute. The owners will just want to stay in this league. That is the 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 money is in the Premier League, and to be in it this year uh, and to do themselves a favour and to try and stay in it next year is is ultimately what they want. But I think, like they said, like they they made the point that if if it doesn't work out with Allardyce and um, as they get relegated or. Um, that they they do manage to stay up, that this could quite easily be the situation next season when the season's not when Allardyce has not started the season very well. We come to Christmas, they've only got I don't know ten points out of thirteen fourteen games, and they decide to roll the dice again and get rid of and get rid of and get rid of Allardyce, and then they're back to square one again. I think so, one of the big things for Allardyce would be how the January transfer window goes because clearly they need some kind of goal threat coming in, and they talk about him wanting Andy Carroll, isn't there? Well, the, the, the one thing I would say, one of the sort of challenges I think is, it's not a very big Sam squad, is it? I mean, it is sort of, it's the kind of squad that was built to be one of the better footballing teams in the championship. Uh, and not did they win the did they win the did they win the championship last season or did or did Leeds win it? I can't remember, but I mean, they both ended up kind of stumbling over. Like, it was all a bit of a mess in the end, wasn't it? I think they, yeah. they, they Leeds and West Brom ended up sort of basically going up automatically because. Brentford couldn't get any points either. And you know, none of them um, were able to get any points in that last few weeks. So they all sort of, st- so they both sort of stumbled over the line in a way, but, but they were, they are sort of quite a nice footballing team and they're not built in the, you know, big lad up front that we can work off. Let's, let's lump it up to him sort of a way. So it will be interesting to see if, if big Sam tries to sort of reshape the squad in one transfer window. Well, you have to get someone. They haven't got anyone, have they? Who's a target? Well, they, like bought, they bought Dean. Well, they bought Dean Garner, didn't they? And and they and they. I think they already had Pereira on loan last year from. Um, I can't remember where from where from where he was from, but they both they signed obviously them too. Uh, but like I said, you you need you need somebody to put the ball in the back of the net. So has Kevin Nolan been keeping one. himself fit during lockdown? <laughs> Probably. <laughs> if he's been doing his Joe Wixes, then he might be ready. Yeah. I mean, if you don't get Kevin Nolan in, I'm sure I'll phone Yuri Jorkayev. <laughs> get get a Kotcher back. JJ Kotcher, come on back, come <laughs> on down. I don't, I, I don't, I just thought it was harsh timing, to be honest, more than anything. I just thought the fact that, because I watched the West Brom City game and I thought, it's not like West Brom have given up here, like for Billich. They seem to be still fighting because they were throwing the bodies here, there and everywhere in that game and they came away with a decent point. But the, and then literally he was he was sacked and Allardyce in. But like you say, Billich, although he's managed in the Premier League, he's still relatively unproven at that level, isn't he? And then so Allardyce is just probably the one that you would say he's going to keep you up in here. I suppose that's all that matters to West Brom, isn't it? I mean, it's, it's not it's not really what um, looking to the next. So we play West Brom next. So the last manager to win at Anfield was Sam Allardyce with Crystal Palace in April 2017. So the fact that he's already had, it's not like it's his first game where he can just roll the dice and anything could really happen. They played, um, who did they play at the weekend? 
Pal- well, they bloody played Palace at the weekend, didn't they? No, yeah, they did Liverpool. Liverpool played Palace. Liverpool played Palace. Do you not remember the game? Oh, I don't remember who were playing now. <laughs> Clearly. Um, who did West Brom play? Villa. Oh, yeah, it was Villa, sorry. They got um, beat 3-0. Uh, yeah. But that was... So he's he's seen the team. He's seen the team and he must have given them some direction as to what, what he wanted them to do. Um, and he'll make tweaks. And I mean, he's, he's still a very good manager at getting the, at getting the result and grinding results out. So I do, it's just not what... You can just see... After having a seven-day layoff or the biggest layoff that we've we've, we've had this season so far, that it's Sam Allardyce that turns up at Anfield and because you're moaning about a layoff now, you Liverpool fans you can't make your mind up. I'd rather not be playing Sam Allardyce. I mean, I said I said about the timing of the the appointment, but it could prove inspirational, couldn't it? If they win at Anfield. I'll, I'll be, I'll, I'll be sending out. around t-shirts. A lot of us were big Sam for Prime Minister. <laughs> <laughs> mm. Anyway, then the other manager who's uh, caused headlines today is Mikel Arteta, who, Cheesy, you've not been a fan of for some time. I mean, Simon. And then uh, what did you make? With, well, does someone want to expand on what he said today? Well, I mean, I suppose the backstory is that they've continued to be in very poor form. I'm not sure where they are in the table. They're about 15th in the table. They are 15th, yeah. And he continually sort of of puts it down to the fact that they're on a project. And then he's having increasingly sort of bizarre excuses. He, He seems to be quite big on discipline, but they seem to get red cards every week. And foul throws. And foul throws. And then today, um, in a press conference, he... Well, what did he do, Ross? He sort of basically said that they, they, they were the better. He keeps sort of saying after matches that basically they're the better team. So basically trying to highlight how well the things are going on the pitch by saying last season uh, there was a 25% chance of his team beating Everton, I think it was, and they ended up winning. This season, when they've analysed games, they've come away and there was like 6% chance of them losing a game and they've ended up losing or the 7% chance. So from watching the game, Arsenal should have won, but they've ended up losing. So he's trying to spin it as that's a positive for what he's doing and the hard work is coming on the pitch. To me, I would spin it the other way. If you're coming away and you've only got a 6% chance of losing and you keep losing, something's going wrong, isn't it? So there are, that, that couldn't, that shouldn't, them kind of percentage odds shouldn't keep happening because otherwise, when I do my accumulator at the weekend, I'd be an absolute millionaire. Well, yeah. goals are quite consequential, aren't they? Yeah, you can't just sort of put them yeah. down with something that's getting in the way of your of your your mathematical equation as to why you've won. Yeah, so I I I, tell, I I think this is kind of like you were saying today, Sam, that you think the fans are still behind it, don't you? Well, I, I, so I've spoken to two different Arsenal fans in the last week. Uh, this is before the weekend games. And at both times, I was like, oh, do you think Arteta will be under pressure? And they're like, oh, no, no, you know, we're, we're right behind him. It's all part of a project. You know, the, 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 there's just no, there didn't seem to be any sort of, I, I mean, given that, you know, they presumably are paying top six wages, they're perceived as a top six club, and they're in 15th. And he's been there a year now, so it's not like he's sort of new to the job. I thought, you know, maybe they would be a bit frustrated, but they, they didn't seem to be in any way. But I think the thing is, football fans sometimes are sort of prepared to eat it if you're saying, oh, well, you know, results aren't good now, but 
we're bringing young players through, it's part of a project. But if you're just like straight out lying to them and just saying, oh no, we are playing really well, everything's perfect, it's just by chance some maths things got in the way of why we haven't won. Yeah, that, this is what I think. start to turn on him. I think because it's, it, it seems delusional what he's saying and this is where I think fans suddenly start, the sudden scouts from this disconnect between are you actually seeing what I'm seeing on the pitch? Because it, it suddenly the two things don't marry up. And like you say, you can't just ignore goals and results because the results are the things that matters at the end of the day in football. So I don't know. I think I, it started to look like the beginning of the end because he, he, he made comments this week about um, his position might be un, start to become impossible for him to carry on. Then he said he's not going to wait, walk away. And then he's had Edu's backing, hasn't he? Use what is he? Uh, sporting director sporting director so oh it all seems a bit of a mess and I, I, I mean I've loved watching mm-hmm. Arsenal the past few weeks because they are appalling they are absolutely atrocious they don't they seem to play a style of football that doesn't suit the players Arteta keeps going on about crossing the ball in the box but then they don't have anyone in the box who you would actually say thrives on crosses it's it's strange and then you were saying about the young players coming through, Simon. And I know uh, Saka's been... Saka, is it Saka or Sacco? Saka, isn't it? Saka, Saka. yeah. Saka was been... Liverpool, wasn't he? Yeah. That... yeah. Uh, so Saka's been good. I've enjoyed watching Saka, but then, like, Maitland-Niles, is he actually any good? Um, who else is that? Inketia, he's not really started that many games. Who else has come through? Joe Willock. Yeah. Is he actually any good? Like... It's all right to say you're bringing these players through in the plate, but if they're not actually good enough, you're doing more of a harm to your team than... Because what is the ultimate point? If you, if yeah, I remember the last season, there was times when sort of Ollie would sort of point to the fact that he was giving young players a chance. But some of those young players were players like Tai Chong and Angel Gomez. And it was sort of quite apparent, actually, yeah, look, yeah, you're giving Greenwood a chance, great. But also Greenwood is taking those chances clearly good enough. And it was sort of after a few games, it's fairly obvious that these other young players he was given a chance to probably weren't really good enough. They weren't just young, they're just not good enough. And actually, yeah, you, you sort of need to move on. <laughs> you know, you need to be able, you need to, you expect someone who's a managing a Premier League club earning millions of pounds a year to be able to take a judgment quite quickly on whether or not someone's going to be good enough or not. Yeah, because you, as a fan, you see a youngster in the, in the, like on the bench or, on the starting lineup, and you think, oh, that's exciting. I wonder what he's like. And you think, oh, maybe I'll give him two or three games. But then these young Arsenal lads, I've had more than two or three games now. And apart from Saka, I'm not really, I'm not really thinking they look, a, they look a prospect. And I mean, I know it's hard think- for them because they're coming in surrounded by a load of wasters, really, stunned by David Luiz and blah, blah, blah. But you expect... Saka's took his chance. That, um, Ashley Maitland, no, he, I always think he actually looks quite good, but he's just he's one of those classic players who can sort of you see young players. It was that sort of Kieran Dyer effect of can play everywhere, but it means he never ends up really playing anywhere, and he sort of ended up being someone who can fill a gap anywhere, but but he hasn't sort of nailed down any position. Well, this is I, I remember so my, when I was at Union, mate, one of my housemates used to. Um, he used to play on the uni volleyball team. And then the uni started taking the volleyball team really seriously. So they started getting a load of um, foreign imports in on scholarships. 
And then my mate, uh, he had a sit. He had a meeting with the coach because he he started getting shunted out of the volleyball team. And if we, he had a, and my mate was thinking about quitting. And the coach said to him, "Look, you're probably not going to start, and you're probably not going to be nailed down in one position, but you're going to be the John O'Shea of the volleyball team." <laughs> and I, I think that is kind of the when you kind of they're all seem they, all these Arsenal players seem to be shifting. Like Saka plays twenty different positions, doesn't he? He seems to go left back, right back. Attacking midfielder, then left wing. Then I think this is one of the issues. Like I don't think Arteta has been fair since the end of the day. Like they're not in a settled system because Arteta is changing from a three at the back to a four at the back. Then he's changing where they're actually playing them. I don't know. I just think I, I, it seems if they stick with him, Arsenal are going to have a very very long season. Well, what I don't understand is where they what style of what what is their style of play. So they'll they'll play with either three at the back or two at the back. They've got that dreadful, dreadful midfield pair. And you think back to the glory days of Vieira and Petit, and you look now and you've got Xhaka and El Nene, and you think, wow, what has happened to that Arsenal midfield? There's no creativity in there whatsoever. They can't even tackle properly either. They just seem to pass it to one another and then foul anybody that runs past them. Yeah, I just don't. I, I, their attack just breaks down. Like I get, the, I mean, for for fullbacks, Bellerin was one of the best right backs in the league a few years ago, and I know he had that horrific run with injuries. And Tierney's not Tierney's not a bad left back. I mean, if anything, he's probably been their player of the uh, player of the season so far. But as soon as he gets past that midfield, like if they were going to play, say, a similar way to Liverpool, where Aubameyang and, and Pepe would then carry him running back past Lacazette, and Lacazette would drop in and be that. That just doesn't. I don't. I, it doesn't happen. The amount, the amount of times I've seen um, pundits commentate on Arsenal and they've crossed the ball into the box and there is nobody in the box and yet they've got Aubameyang, Lacazette and Pepe, all of which are, are quite easily capable of scoring 20, have scored 20 goals in a season before. I mean, the finishes from Lacazette two or three seasons ago, I mean, he was he was a poacher in the box and, and now all of a sudden he's supposed to be this creative genius that he's playing in almost like in a number 10 situation. It just doesn't, it just doesn't. It just doesn't make any sense. It's like they've just decided that all of the creativity needs to come from the fullback, and they'll just play three number nines up top, and then we'll see what happens. I tell you what irritates me the most about Arteta. It's just the way he is on the touchline. I've never. He, he looks like if if I if I stand here and shout and look like I'm kicking every ball, then no one can moan about anything. And I know that's what fans want to see sometimes. That you might only just actually get involved from doing that. And I just think, just sit down and have a, have a rest from it. Just let them do what they want to do for a bit and see what happens, as opposed to you poncing about. But you, if you remember, yeah, like years and years, like even like three or four years ago, Arsenal had midfielders. You know, the amount of midfielders that Arsenal had, the creative midfielders, these these, these uh, guys that could it was pass, pass joke, the ball. Wasn't it? And, yeah, <laughs> it was just they, they, Wenger signed the same player. Every, Every single time he just signed the same player that did the same that did the same thing, and now two years down the line, they've all of those players have left or gone or retired or whatever, and now they're left with nobody. They've gone the other way and they've signed a lot of they've signed they've spent an awful lot of money on the forwards, and now they've got nobody behind the forwards to give them a, a pass. I mean the the the. The fact that they've spent seventy million pounds on Nicolas Pepe, wow! Oh, Arsenal fans were over the moon when that happened. I mean, and what, while, that while like... all this is going on, they're paying God knows how much they're paying Özil to to, to just oh. tweet 
would would you bring him back? Would you bring him back? I don't. I don't. I mean, we've talked about Arteta, but I don't know if we've talked about the other. Would you? Would you? Would you play Ozil? Yes. I don't know. I, I'm sympathetic to Arteta when it comes to the Ozil situation, just because Emery also couldn't get a tune out of Ozil. And I, I think Ozil probably needs to take personal responsibility for the way that his career has just tailspinned over the last few years. And, you know, why is it that managers don't even even seem to contemplate putting him in their 25-man squad? You know, he, he's clearly an issue. I, in many ways, when it comes to the players, the one the criticism I'd really push at Arteta is that Gwendouzi, of their young players, the most exciting young player Arsenal have had for the last few years is Gwendouzi. He looked like, God, he could be the best central midfielder in the Premier League, potentially. He really pushed on. He was this exciting young talent. And yet under Arteta, he's gone backwards and ended up having to send him out on loan. There's clearly issues with them not getting on. And you know, and then the, and they're left with a central midfield of Xhaka and El Nenny, and you think, why on earth have you sent even to even why have you sent your best even midfielder out on loan? Even Torreira, they sold to, did they sell Torreira back to this? This some sort of to Madrid. I can't yeah. remember where they sold yeah, him. Yeah, they, I mean, thought... getting him out the door, didn't they? But I mean, I, I, yeah, maybe. I mean, maybe if it's desperate times, you'd think. I mean, they actually can't pick up Urzel, can they? Because he didn't put him in that twenty-five man squad. Yeah, but no. can you not change? I'm sure football manager has the January transfer yeah, yeah, it's January, yeah. Which isn't that far away. Oh, yeah, I guess. But, but to me, though, like, I, 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 at the start of the season, I was thinking, yeah, I'm all for If I was such an issue, yeah, I'm all for the fact that you, you, you know, like I thought, yeah, bold move this. And you know what? I'd back you doing it, not putting me in your squad. But then after watching, what, how many games in now with season? What, 13, 14? 13, 14. And they can't create a chance that suits their strikers. The one person in their whole squad that would be able to pick a pass out, regardless of his work ethic, is Ozil, isn't it? So I would, I would almost say, look, we're gonna have to we'll, we'll build the team around him, which which is somewhere pandering to his ego, which you don't want to do. But if he's the only one in that squad that can actually pick a pass out, that's going to get a Bamiyang in a decent goal scoring position. Well, I the would, thing is, would... they're clearly they're desperate to get him off the wage bill, aren't they? And they were desperate just to get rid of him this summer. And he's obviously refusing to leave. He's like, "Look, no one else is going to pay me." Well, well he said, to... "Yeah, he's, he's just going to wait it out." But, actually... but he's made out as if he's doing some honourable things, seeing out his contract. No, which yeah. is quite funny. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm going to say, I'm going to, I'm going to honour this contract that I've got that pays me. <laughs> Thousands of pounds a week, and I'm gonna I'm gonna be loyal to us. Yes, but I mean, it sort of reminds me of the Brexit negotiations in a way. It's like Arsenal have ended up in this situation where they can't get rid of him. So out of spite, they're just gonna say, "Oh, well, we're not even gonna put you in 25." Actually, once you can't get rid of him and you're stuck with him and you're paying him 200, 300 grand a week or whatever, you might as well try and make the best of the situation and, and sort of find a way to make it work. And, you know, if they put him back in, if they start playing him in the last six months of the contract, that he's going to be thinking, look, I need to try and earn a move somewhere. I've, yeah, shut window, yeah. My, yeah, my, my PR has gone, is on, you know, he can't be that old. He's probably thinking, yeah, if he's going to play anywhere, he, need, he could really do with playing well for six months. So he actually probably, if you got him back in the team, just for his own personal reasons, he'll be quite motivated. But then I think from an Arteta point of view, he's shown quite strong decisive leadership at the start by not including him in squads. It's kind of not worked. 
And then I think to go, for a manager to go, you know what, that didn't work. So I might, if I can, I can bring you back in the squad and maybe utilise him a bit. I think you'd have more respect for him for being able to acknowledge that I made I can't, I've made a mistake, so I need to do something about this, as opposed to just keep plundering on going, well, I'm, I'm going to ignore him, I'm going to ignore him, I'm going to ignore him, and then my team are going to struggle. It just seems daft to me. Do you think he'll make it to the end of the season, Cheesy? I mean, it, I mean, it's very difficult. I mean, in in my the the way I would look at it is is because obviously now we, we've got to this stage of the season and uh, our Arsenal going to go down, and you have to look around and go, well, I mean, the other four, other three worst teams than Arsenal in the league, and you probably say, would probably Sheffield United, yeah, but Burnley have started to pick up points. Um, Brighton, have, Brighton can um, pluck a good performance out from anywhere. Um, I mean, West Brom are not going to be the same team they were under Billich as they are now. Um, so you kind of think that if they don't get their act together quite quickly, then they're going to be in. They're going to be. In, they're going to be in serious problems, aren't they? They've only won. They've won and they've won one drawn one in the last ten. I mean, that that is you know, that's that's relegation form, in, like incredibly. But I, I mean, the, the bit that I don't get, I don't understand this. Is they just need to decide what they're going to, what what formation they're going to pick and just go with it. Like if they're going to play Pepe, then he needs to play up front with Abamyang. I don't understand why they still they still absolutely want to play two in midfield when those two players cannot play midfield together. They need to put a third person. I know Party's injured, but it just seems it just seems that it just doesn't feel like it, it, anything is working at, at all. So, I mean, surely the, the the board and I mean, unless I mean, unless he's coming up with spreadsheets and he's writing on the wall of this is what's going to happen in six oh, months time and this is he's, he's working out the percentage chances Jesus. yeah or, or they've or they've got like a couple of players lined up in in, in January they think are going to make all the difference because they, they must they must have players lined up ready to come in Unless, who would want who would want to go to Arsenal now would you want to go to Arsenal I wouldn't want to go anywhere near that club at the minute and Unless, that's, the, that's uh, the thing Unless he's using our favourite stat, the expected goal. Well, that's literally what I was about to say. When he said that <laughs> thing about percentage chance, it reminded me of those chumps, Ross, who, who subscribed to expected goals being a worthy stat. And you know what? There is a table out there. Arsenal would be twelfth. Arsenal would be twelfth in the league on expected goals. So slightly I mean, better. Give, even with all the what crosses. they give for expected goal. Even with all the crosses, there are. Oh no! In fact. They've, yeah, so they, yeah, they should have scored six more. They should have scored six more goals than they actually have, according to expected goals. Because one of the games they drew was against Leeds, and by all accounts, they should, they should have got hammered in that game. But Leeds had a man sent off, didn't they? Or did Arsenal? And also, Arsenal all, probably did. All no, Leeds games, did, yeah. all Leeds games are just chaos, aren't they? So I think all Leeds results can sort of be just taken. Just, yeah, you can't, yeah, you can't look at that for how the rest of the season's going to go. No. I'm not suddenly expecting United at home to come this goal-scoring machine. I mean, it, it worked out for us, but literally any score can happen in those Leeds games. Yeah, um, and we'll, I mean, we'll touch on and we'll we'll get onto United in a minute. Um, that was a nice segue, by the way, and. Um, <laughs> The um, they'll probably the last the last thing for Arsenal is that Arteta will probably still be using the, the expected goals table next year <laughs> after they've been relegated. They've stayed up in expected goals table. He'll just be referring <laughs> back to that <laughs> in his championship after uh, press conferences, after match press conferences. Oh, we were we were we were playing we were playing uh, 
Brentford today. We were playing, we were playing Manchester United, <laughs> and and expected goals for us. And then we 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 won. We've got three points today. Thank you very much. Yeah, January is January is a big month for them, and a huge month for them. They've got to bring, they've got to shake that team up somehow. They've got to do something. But uh, the, the the more desperate they get, the more chance, the more they've got to take a punt on players, and that's when that's when things start to go. Well, from a United point of view, that's when you end up paying a lot of money for Memphis to buy. <laughs> just quickly, before I know mean, we did actually say we were going to mention it, but I just popped into my head. Uh, obviously, Spurs now have lost two on the trot to Liverpool and Leicester. And we said a few weeks ago, Spurs players are probably happy doing the system as long as they're winning. Do you think this might be a bit of a turning point for Mourinho in terms of players not buying into the system? Well, I would say one of the things that was really one of the, the things about Mourinho's career is in it, obviously early on he was very good but he's always struggled to when things do start to go wrong he does struggle to turn it around doesn't he so I mean you know it's, it, you know, it's very early they've lost those two games so it's, it's probably quite early stage but if this form doesn't pick up quite quickly it's one of those things where he will he, you know you he will fall into what he always does, which he gets increasingly negative. He'll start blaming the players. He'll start blaming everyone. And he'll get into that tailspin that he always gets. Well, Tottenham's last five games, they've won one, drawn two, lost two, which isn't, I'm going to buy into sitting back and having 20 touches in my own box as opposed to 20 touches in their box, is it, form? Yeah, I mean, I don't know if it'll be on this occasion, but at some point, the Mourinho at Spurs story will end with him getting sacked after getting incredibly negative after a really bad run of form. Now, maybe it won't be on this occasion, but maybe they'll go on and have a really good season still. But I'm certain that's how it'll end. Yeah. Right, should we talk about what a week it's been for Manchester United, uh, Simon? Yeah, I, I assume Cheesy was going to want to open with this. I'm, I'm now starting to think the presence might have been just a, something to distract. <laughs> well, I mean, I mean, you, you two have already said it. I mean, you used to touch on it a few minutes ago. The Leeds game don't count. So we'll, uh, <laughs> we'll, just, we'll just wish everybody a Merry Christmas and, uh, and we'll, we'll call it quits. Oh, what a joy it was. Oh, I loved it so much. Just it, was, it was frantic. I, yeah. I... I switched it on and I'm lucky I didn't switch it on late because obviously we're <laughs> 2 nil up within inside three minutes. But I, I messaged you, the amount of times I looked at the clock and think, gosh, there's only been 30 minutes. Gosh, there's only been this amount of time. Like it fit like, it seemed like it fit about three or four games worth of action into <laughs> into one game. It was absolutely incredible. And have you played Lee Jellum, Chaser? Yeah, we thought we won the last, we played in the opening day, didn't we? We won in the last minute. Oh, well, you, I bet you can't wait till you play Mets because it is an absolute hoot. I'll tell you this much. It is brilliant. I, I just, yeah, I, I want to, yeah. If you do want to beat them, Cheesy, uh, next time around, guaranteed way of success, send uh, one of your players to the same barbers that um, Scott McTominay goes to. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, when I'd seen that, um, it got to about, it got to half, I was in work until it got to half four. I was getting ready to um, to get everybody out of the shop and, and start locking the shop. And I thought, oh, I'll just check it after five minutes. I was like, Leeds might be able to get an early goal. And I saw that Scott McTominay had scored twice in 30, like 45 seconds. I was like, what's going on here? 
I was like, how's this happened? And that was, that was, that was the end of it. And I think I checked it again at half time. Um, and I think it was 4-1. I was like, oh, this, this could be anything. Um, so, but yeah, I mean, you know I mean what, yeah, it's kind of... The thing is, you know what I would say, though? I know we scored six. I thought we were quite wasteful in front of goal. I don't know about you, Simon. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I, I honestly felt like we could have had 10 or 11. Like, easy. We had the chances well, to have that many goals. All he said he could have been 12, didn't he? Could have been 12-4. Yeah, but, uh, I'm, but I'm not even talking like... You know when you go, oh, what if this 25-yard effort would have gone in? I'm talking about inside the like 18-yard box effort, like one-on-ones efforts on goal. We, we well, should Martial, have had... Martial was sort of determined not to finish anything, wasn't he? Yeah. Yeah. I, I, was, a, I was amazed we only scored six. And I, I, mean, I know, in many ways, the beauty of Bielsa is that he's like so pure and just committed to the way that he plays. And like, that's, that's it. You know, he won't compromise for anything. But you do think... That just is not a way to defend. Like that, that, that approach to defending just does not work. <laughs> like, well, so is it is it literally Calvin Phillips against the rest of the team? Well, that's what it was. It's all kind of man marking, I think. But man marking just like the moment one person gets beaten or loses his man, then it's just chaos, isn't it? Because then, like, it was. It's like it's like watching five aside just. Expanded to an eleven-a-side pitch with eleven players. That's that's basically what it is like. You 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 just get responsible for a man, and then that's it. And then basically, what told us United's men were better than the Leeds counterparts. What then again? I would say um, it was you know fair play to Ollie. I think it actually Ollie really did well tactically. It's, it's one of those things where you, because you sort of know exactly how Bielsa will play because he always plays the same way. You probably can prepare for it, but. You know, the, the decision to pick Daniel James from the start and to, you know, I, I thought I thought Ollie did a really good job and, and deserves credit. Yeah, no, I, yeah, I, I, I totally agree. And this is the weird thing with Ollie, though, isn't it? He does things where he pulls things out and you think, God, he's, he, like, he's a tactic player. He's brilliant. Like the, I, know, I know doing it against Leeds is different, but we had the game against PSG and Leipzig game. He got off. Ollie's genius here isn't he and then two games later you think what is he at what is he thinking here like he goes from genius moments to utterly ridiculous moments and I think if he can sort his own consistency out that would probably help the team in a way the game that you two described the the Manchester derby that you two described was an absolute was just horrible it was a dower fest so how is that team the team that played yeah but then I said I I think it's two to tango doesn't it I think I think that that was a lot down to the, you know, City also didn't really commit, and the Chelsea game that was really boring. That was kind of down to the Chelsea kind of. Yeah, because I don't, I don't blame Ollie for the derby because I think Ollie's struck upon a system that has consistently beat Pep and City. He, he's hasn't he? He's not. We've we've won more games than we've lost against City with Ollie in charge. So, so for me, it's not all for Ollie to change his system. So his is the his is the way of winning, and then Pep. Kind of went well. I'm not really going to do what you want me to do, so it all can't all cancelled each other out. So I'm not. I mean, if you would have said to me you're going to play out a nil-nil draw against City, are you going to be disappointed? Because not really, because we the, the way that it happened, but coming away with a point, you're thinking, well, that's a decent result, isn't it? Yeah, but isn't that the point? If 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 you if Pep's changed what he wants his Manchester City team to do, 
then surely there must be a, there must be a scenario where he goes right. Well, after half an hour, fifteen minutes before half time. No, because then I th- the- no, because then I think at the same time Pep wanted Ollie to come out more uh, to play into City's hands, so they then they could catch on the break, and we're not that good enough. So no, I think what Ollie did was the right was the right thing. Sit back, be compact, be defensive, try and catch on the break, and be clinical when you can. If we would have done anything else, we would have got ripped apart by City, no problem, because we've proved in the past that lesser teams can rip us apart. So what 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 would be the benefit of all the change or anything? Pep's Pep's supposed no, to be the I'm genius not... and this master mastermind that can pick apart any defence. And he's come up against all it and told these fullbacks to sit and not go forward and not commit any men forward. I think that's it. I think that's a, a credit to Ollie as opposed to anything else. But in this but what... No, but what I'm saying is, in this season at, the, at that time, um, when like two points can clearly rocket you into the top four, or you can get you can get, you can you can almost be top of the league, or you can you can drop farther down the league. If you if you'd have got an extra couple, of, if you'd have got an extra couple of points in the derby, you'd have been you'd have been joined top of the league. If you win your game in hand, yeah, that's the bit that I'm saying. The bit that, that, that they're the risk this season that if if you need to take advantage of every single point that you can get because there are look there is times when when Liverpool got that penalty against Fulham I was like that is one point gain because we have been horrific yeah no I I, look, I, like, I I totally agree I totally agree the volatility of the league and that you every point matters but I don't think from United fans' point of view the time to do anything different was against Manchester City they're not one of the teams that I go we should really push for that I think we could have. But at the same time, I understand why you don't because because of the quality of City. If it's if it's, I don't know who's who's up there at the minute. That's probably a lot lesser. Leicester. West Ham, West Ham, or Southampton. If it's one of them, then yeah, push on, go for it. Because we should be the bigger, better team. We should be doing it. City, not not for me at the minute. You, you, if you come on, if we come away from two points from the two Manchester derbies. I'm I'm absolutely fine with that, and that might be that might be quite negative to say, but I just think City on the day can rip anyone apart. So don't don't take the risk with it. Come away with a point as opposed to risking it for three and coming away with nothing. I mean, it's quite pessimistic because I know most of the time I text you two saying should just go all out attack here. <laughs> yeah. What, <laughs> what from minute from minute three when when you, when you started off and you've not gone over the halfway line you should go we should be all out attacking we should be playing everybody everybody should be forward but look what happens when you do that's what happens against Leeds isn't it I don't, the thing is if you would have said if we would have been saying on this podcast what four weeks ago Manchester United are going to be sitting third and they're going to be the informed team in the Premier League you would no one would have bought that would they. Wins a win, isn't it? Doesn't matter how you win. Great time to be alive. But, but I think it's just mental, though, that United can suddenly put this run together, and we've been terrible. Yeah, but like you just like you just said, two weeks ago, Chelsea were title contenders. They lost two in a row. Tottenham were t- title contenders. We uh, they lost two in a row. We and <laughs> before the before the weekend, we had the seventeenth worst away record in the league. We drawn. We'd lost at Villa. We drew at Brighton. We drew at Everton. We drew at City. Um, it's weird. Uh, it's weird the way your form's picked up since Thiago got injured. Huh? <laughs> we play well at home because that's what we've done. But we, we can't seem to. We can't seem to do well away. And our away performance is a bit awful. We were bad at Brighton. We were bad at Fulham. We were really bad at, at Aston Villa. 
Um, and we were we were probably a little bit lucky at, at, in the Everton game, but we just we just can't play away from home. And I, I honestly was not expecting us to get anywhere anywhere close to what we did. And we were just clinical. And even even in the in the first half, we could have been three one down. After we'd scored that goal, Palace had chances. A uh, Jordan Ayew was clean through on goal. All he had to do was pass it to Zaha, and and Joel Matic made him kind of stop and think for almost like half a second, and he just kicked it behind Zaha. But the amount of chances that Palace had. In the in like a, this fifteen minute spell where they, all they did was just boot the ball over Fabinho's head and run onto it, it was just incredible. And how that game has finished up, I have no idea. I'll uh, I'll tell you, what, just going back to United. Obviously, next game in the league is against Leicester. I'm fully expecting that to be as boring as the Manchester derby. I don't, I so you'd be happy with the Leicester? No, I'd want us to beat Leicester. But what I'm saying is. Leicester plays similar to United, don't they? They want you to come on to them so they can hit you with a sucker punch, which is what United want you to do. I imagine it'll just be two teams not committing that many people forward and seeing, seeing if they can nick a goal. I think that's what will happen. I, look, I want us to win. I think we should beat Leicester because if we can't beat a 33, 34-year-old Jamie Vardy by now, then we're not going to stand much of a chance, are we? But, yeah, but it's, he, he does a lot of running, but you've got to think it's not the... The rest of the thing that's going on behind him that allows him to do pretty much whatever they want. They Leicester should be playing. Arsenal should be playing the way Leicester play. Aubameyang can just go sit up, can sit up front, or Pepe can sit up front, or whoever it is can sit up front, and then the, everything else kind of works behind him, and he's just the one that's in the box and puts the ball in the net. Well, it's one of those things, isn't it? Not I mean, the most clever is uh, Brendan Rodgers. Last thing, Simon, that I will ask just on while we're on United. Would you like to see Scott McTominay be? that progressive and that forward thinking more often? Well, I, I, look, I think that Leos, uh, that Leeds game is, is carnage and you, you're not going to come up against a team like Leeds very often. And I think the trouble for United is we've got loads of players that want to be really attacking and not many that are good at sitting in and doing some of the defensive work. I, I, I think Matt, Tom, if he, Matt Tomley wants to be one, one of those central midfielders who pushes on getting into the opposition's box been creative, then he's going to have to join a queue behind Fernandez, Pogba, and Van der Beek. And you know, so I think his place is in that playing alongside Fred in big games when you want to close things off. Fair enough. I quite enjoyed it. Yeah, I mean, yeah, he played, but maybe his best game for United. But oh, yeah, yeah, I sense you disagree. No, I just, I, I just think that game showed that he's probably got the work rate and the energy to. I'm not saying be as lung busting and get like making as many runs forward as he did, but maybe more than he does do in a game because he don't he never really gets ahead of the ball, does he? Yeah, but all he said in the and they were, it was on when I was coming home on Sunday, and it was on BBC, and he was saying that McTominay grew up as a striker. Yeah, no, this this is um, yeah. But he, but all he, but all he turned it around and said that he's the one that tells McTominay to sit and stay and doesn't, and and he, he's the one that he's the one that has to do that and that's the job that he does for the team. And McTominay looks like that kind of lad that if Ollie wants him to do that for the team, that's what he's going to do. So he'll sacrifice his personal glories for um, for the rest of the team. And look, it's working at the minute. Isn't it? I, no, I, I agree enjoyed about the uh, enjoyed about the United lineup was you know not often a long, long time since he's played Leeds in the Premier League. It was just nice, you know, Matt Tom. I know he plays for Scotland, but really he's from, I think, I'm not sure where he's from, actually. He's from Salford or Greater Manchester or whatever. Rashford from Manchester. 
you know, lifelong United fans. Uh, Daniel James is from Wales, but he's a lifelong Man United fan. You know, we had this team with a nice little sprinkling of you know, players who grew up knowing how big a game against Leeds is. And yeah, I think that added to it a little bit as well. Yeah, it's enjoyable. Anyway, when, when, cheesy, just quickly, because you'll probably know, when do United play Liverpool next? 17th January. Oof. Top of the table clash, that'll be. We um we said we said last week last time we did it, we'd pencil it in for a podcast. Oh so yeah, I will do some, I'll do some I'll do some I'll well first of all I'll make sure I'm not working because it's on at half four because the games for January have been released. So I'll try and make sure that I'm not working, otherwise it, it doesn't really work if I'm if I have to shut a shot down and try and be on a podcast at the same time. What's more important, <laughs> Cheetah? <laughs> the podcast of How we're gonna how we're gonna build up an audience for the merchandise if we're uh... <laughs> Look, I'm, I'm the one that's out in the field. I'm trying to sell it. <laughs> well, I'm going to go, TK. The day of the game, I imagine I'm go, I'll get a message from you saying, open your front door and it'll be all the all the equipment. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Just be a big bag of cash. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Just be, yeah. uh, just be the next time you drive in Spurry, just look at that billboard outside that pub. You, you just look at that a bit. Uh, there'll be a, there'll be a face on it. Um, so yeah, so I, I'll there's a, there's a, there's an app there's a, an app similar to the one that we use for the podcast that you can record that you must be able to record commentary or you must be able to comment on it or some, something like that. I can't remember what it is. So I, I'll mean, be digging into it. Well, we I mean we could just use this. We've all got Sky, Sky subscriptions. Yeah, I suppose so. Yeah. They were right quick. I mean, we're running very long, aren't we? Simon, boxing, Joshua won. Joshua won, looked really impressive. Um, probably the, you know, the most exciting Joshua fight, maybe since Klitschko. I really enjoyed it. And uh, I you know I've always thought that when they all fight each other, sort of Joshua Wilder Fury, I've always thought well, uh, Fury would be the guy that come out on top. But I think that was the best Joshua performance. Uh, very excited. What is this? It happens next year. What is this about them dropping the titles to potentially get the fight on? Well, yeah. So if uh, long, uh, which it, which people, if, if it's what I think it is, and they don't actually fight for any world titles, is that not the biggest anticlimax to the fight? Well, so there's, there's no. I think there's four heavyweight world titles. Um, Joshua has three of them, and Fury has the other one. And I, I think we talked about it on the show a while ago uh, that. Basically, Alexander Usyk, who was the cruiserweight world champion, he is the mandatory WBO, WBO man- mandatory challenger. And Joshua hasn't fought a WBO. So Pulev was mandatory for one of these belts. Um, he obviously, this is the first time Joshua's fought this year. Last year, he fought, well, last year, this time last year, he won the belts effectively against uh, Andy Ruiz. And Ruiz was making a voluntary defense in a way against Joshua. Because Ruiz won the belts against Joshua, and but then had this rematch clause. So his first fight as champion of all three belts was against Joshua, and he then lost it. So basically, no one has fought for the WBO mandatory position for a long time. So they are getting a bit. They're like, oh, it's two years. You know, you need to fight whoever you have, we put forward. So there is a chance that I think Joshua will have to give up that belt. Now there is also talk that Alexander Usyk, who is who could push for this mandatory challenge, 
he may take what they got. They always call step aside money, which I think is the best the best gig in boxing, where basically Eddie Hearn will say, <laughs> half a million quid. Don't fight Anthony Joshua next. Um, is that is that better than being third choice keeper at a big club? I think so. Yeah, I mean, I'd rather <laughs> if you said to me, "Here's half a million pounds not to fight Anthony Joshua," I'd take it. <laughs> <laughs> That's very brave of you, Sam. Yeah, and Usyk <laughs> is promoted by Eddie Hearn, so he is kind. Of, so I've got a feeling he, Joshua will end, will end up not having to give up this belt because I think Usyk will take the step aside money, and you know. Eddie Hearn will set him up with a quite a lucrative pay-per-view fight against Dillian White or something like that. So, you know, he'll, he'll sort of get a double win of, here's the step-aside money, also here's £5 million to fight um, White, also you get to fight the winner of Fury Josh. Well, yeah, probably. If you if you fight White, win that fight, then your reputation's enhanced in the heavyweight division and you'll get a bigger fight next. And, and you'll get to fight the winner of Fury Joshua. Uh, well, no, I mean, mm. who knows what will happen. But, I mean, ideal situation as a boxing fan will probably be Fury Joshua fight next year, Fury Joshua fight again. After, you know, it's an absolute thriller. They have a rematch. Now, I think if they get to the point where they're having rematches, I suspect some of these will title will will be like, we've got a manager challenge you have to fight and maybe they'll give up their titles just because it'll be the biggest fight in boxing. But I mean, I don't know how it'll play out. It'd be a shame if it was, it'd be, it would be great if, it, if the, the two of them fought and it was for all the belts. But um, Yeah, to show, like, like surely the, the um, what they call it? the people, the, the WBF bodies, and whatever, yeah. the sanctioning bodies, like surely they must realise the, the, how this will enhance everything in boxing. Yeah. As opposed to just being selfish and going, well, I want my one. If they, if they just went, no, we're going to unify everything, that'd be incredible because it's never happened in the heavyweight division before, has it? Not for ages, no. So Yeah, so I, surely they must see just... Unified champion. Yeah. Yeah, but from from our from our point of view, we just want we just want a winner. The the, the, the amount of opinion and, and talk around who would win out of Joshua and Fury... Would you really be bothered if the belts were up for it? Would you, I mean, yeah, no, I would because I think I think it I think it I think it just takes away from the spectacle. I think knowing that the belts on the line adds to everything. Just adds that little in the back of like the fighter's mind, like knowing that there's there's the belt there, there's that there, there's that there. I think it just adds and adds and adds and adds and adds and adds, and then you actually you get could, it's it's the world championship nature of it. It's the it's the elite. It's the real elite level. If you take all the belts away and everything, yes, I know Fury's saying that he's got his. Um, He's lost record to defend, but I think I think as a mentality thing, it it shifts your mentality to, towards it. I, 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 I would just feel like I feel like as a fan, if my option is either Fury and Joshua fight, but not for all the belts, or they go or actually don't fight and they get too busy defending their belts, then I'd rather just see them drop the belts and fight. But my ideal would be uh, for all the titles. A massive yeah, no. army night at Wembley or wherever. Another live yeah. podcast as we're there ringside. Oh, I totally agree. I totally agree. But I think the amount of time that we've already waited for a Fury Joshua fight, I don't see why it can't be for all the ta- all the all the belts. We deserve it. If it if it yeah, if it had been rushed through and it was one of the, we we haven't been talking about it for two years, three years, a lot of them we talked about it, then yeah, fair and fair enough, just to get, if, if it was, right, we're going to make this fight happen and we're going to do this, bang, fine, fair enough. But I think 
they've gone through so many mandatories, so many challenges, and done so many other things. I just feel like it, it needs that now. It needs all that. It, the, otherwise, the, to me, the last two years have been wasted. Why not do it two years ago? And, and well, if, you got, if you're just going to do that, but if like if you roll back the roll back ten years, you think of the football rivalry. So you go back to the Manchester United Liverpool game. So when when I was growing up, that that game was always on the telly. Though whether whether United were top of the league or Liverpool were challenging, but whatever they were, Liverpool were on a good run. Whatever. When was, you were young, nothing, Jesus. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. And then I remember in either late teens, early twenties, that both had gone through pretty rough patches, and the game wasn't on the telly. At Liverpool, United were played, and it was a three o'clock game on a Saturday that wasn't on the telly, and that didn't take away from the fact that. I want that I wanted Liverpool to win any less, or you probably wanted United to win any more. That, but it was still you could stick these two belts regardless in the middle of a field at Glastonbury, ask them to fight, and I bet you, I bet you a million people would sign up to watch it for twenty five quid. Yeah, I but don't think that. I, I get what you're saying about the belts. If Liverpool United were playing in the Champions League final, would it mean more? I still want you. I still want Liverpool to would. win if it was. If it was the under under sixes against the under sixes of, of, of United, it wouldn't make any difference. So yeah, but that you've just proved that it would mean more if it was a Champions League final. If United and Liverpool were in the Champions League final, that would mean ten times more than United and Liverpool in the Premier League. If you could have bragging rights saying you won you won the Champions League over it, it beating United in the final, that would that would be a moment that would be talked about forever in Liverpool's history. But and the same yeah, with this. The same is, with this. Trouble is, you can never, never underestimate boxing's ability to shoot yourself in the floor. And even though the best thing for boxing overall would be for those two to fight for all the belts, everyone will be worried about just their little perspective on it. And yeah, I know, which is irritating. Isn't it? It's yeah. really, really irritating. Hmm. And then, lastly, just to finish, Simon and um, Canelo fought. Um, is it Liam Smith this weekend? No, so he fought Liam Smith. Callum Smith. He fought Callum, yeah, he brought his brother Callum to so He's fought two members of the Smith family now and uh, beat them both pretty comprehensively. One on points against Callum Smith was this big guy from Liverpool, but uh, Canelo was, ju- was just too good for him. Uh, there was a picture of him before the fight stood next to each other. <laughs> Callum Smith towered over him, but it, it wasn't enough. And um, I'm not sure early on it was... Callum Smith, I think, needed to be able to sort of... <clears throat> somehow hurt Canelo early doors and try and get his respect. But I'm not sure he was ever able to do that. And by the end, Canelo, he didn't, he didn't even seem bothered about what Callum Smith was throwing. He just sort of walked him down. Well, apparently uh, Callum Smith had a detached bicep from yeah. two or three. But, I mean, Which makes you... Ross, this is the exact reason I take the step aside money. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I would question then why you bought the punching bag in the first place. Or is that just to make yourself look like you're up for it? So <laughs> it's to it's, it's to it's to train with that detached bicep. He <laughs> so much till it he thinks, oh, I'll definitely take that step aside money. I can't fight with this detached bicep. But singers, there's two ways of looking at that detached bicep, isn't there? They're thinking, oh, well, what could he have done if that detached bicep happened? Happened, but then. Canelo must have done something to cause the detached bicep. Well, that's what Canelo well. said. So Canelo said that um, he's like before the fight, he prepared knowing that Callum Smith's best shot was the the left hook. So he was sort of targeting that part of the body. Yeah, I, I mean, I think that that picture you mentioned, I think that influenced a lot of people pre-fight because I think a lot of people 
thought Cam Smith was in with a really good chance of winning. I think purely based on that, well, he's pretty much twice the size of the Yeah, and yeah, a, a good big and was good little in, yeah. Yeah, but whereas Canelo's probably proved that he's, he is pound for pound one of well, the best, it, if not the best boxer in the world at the minute, hasn't he? So, yeah. Yeah. Right, fellas. It's been a pleasure. Mm. It has indeed. Merry Love Christmas, everyone. everyone. Yeah, Merry, Merry Christmas. Christmas. Enjoy your one day of freedom. Yeah. <laughs> no, I've got two. I'm off, I'm off Boxing Day as well. No, well, you can't see anyone Boxing Day. No, I can't. <laughs> that's, that's what you look forward be, to, isn't I'll it? Just, I'll just be pacing the back garden. I'm going to Google how quickly you can wash a T-shirt and get it clean in time for the next day. <laughs> then I can wear it over the whole Christmas period. <laughs> right. It's Thank been enjoyable. Much, it's been a pleasure. Thanks for listening to the Three Thirds Mank, One Third Scouse podcast. Give it a like, give it a share, and let us know what you think on Twitter at Mank3. That's at M-A-N-C-T-H-R-E-E. And keep listening for more new podcasts every week.